Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Welcome to NHS Employers podcast on partnership working and the positive impact this can have on the health and wellbeing agenda. I'm Jennifer Gardner, the Programme Lead for Health and Wellbeing at NHS Employers. I'm joined today by James Tracy, Senior Human Resources Manager at Leeds Teaching Hospital, and Kim Sunley, Senior Employment Relations Advisor with the Royal College of Nursing. James and Kim are joint chairs of the Health, Safety and Wellbeing Partnership Group. We'll be talking today about the role of the partnership group and why our listeners might want to keep track of what the group is up to and what impact effective partnership working can have and we'll be talking to Kim and James about their top tips on how to do this effectively and well. So if I hand over to James, who is the partnership group James and tell us what the background is. The Health Safety and Wellbeing Partnership Group was formally established at the March 2012 full meeting but I became involved in August 2009 and it was then known as POSH, it's the Partnership in Occupational Safety and Health in Healthcare and have been operating for some years so Kim's been on the group a lot longer than I so she'll have more of the background. Yes James, we go back further than that. We were originally uh, a group that sat under the Health and Safety Commission's industry sector specific health and safety groups called the Health and Safety Advisory Committee in Healthcare um, and we've evolved over the years uh, and our terms of reference have evolved over the years to not just look at health and safety but to look at well-being issues as well. The thing that we regard as most important is the fact that we're a subgroup of the NHS Staff Council and so our whole reason for being is to try and raise standards in workplace health, safety and well-being, to promote a, a safer working environment for health staff and to promote partnership working at all levels. And the way that we do this is we release guidance, we endorse good practice, we respond to consultations, we hold workshops and we commission research. I think the key thing for me, uh, I would say, is our unique selling point. There's a, a plethora of health, safety and well-being guidance out there. Our unique selling point is the fact that we deliver in partnership. And I'm really pleased to get the opportunity to talk about partnership today within the podcast. I think from um, our perspective as well, it's really important that staff are treated well, uh, they're looked after, they feel safe and secure in, work, in workplaces and that has a positive impact on the quality of patient care. So if we can add to that agenda by promoting partnership working at a national and a local level around, around health, safety and wellbeing, then that's uh, got to be for the good of everyone. I feel the other thing to consider about our group is the fact that we work in a tripartite partnership. Um, it's not just managers and staff side that attend the full meetings. We also get representatives from the Health and Safety Executive, from IOSH and from NHS Protect. So by working in that tripartnership way, we can actually add real value to the outputs that we deliver. In terms of the health, safety and well-being aspects, what does successful partnership working look like? Well, it depends really, Jen, on what your describing by successful partnership. I mean, in, in terms of its macro level, successful partnership looks like mutuality of respect for each other's perspective and having a, a difference in an, an opinion doesn't mean that we have to treat the other party with contempt. You know, we can have robust 
disagreements, but there's always willingness to find a, a solution and to move forward. I can think of an example that we had within the group when we had a real disagreement around some of the wording on the um, sickness absence policy. And despite that disagreement, because the staff side weren't happy with some of the wording within the document, we actually compromised and found a way forward. There was a willingness to actually try and to move forward. Have you, have you got any suggestions? I was going to focus on the local partnership working, if I may, um, because we have you know, staff side safety representatives in, in every uh, NHS organisation, and they can play a real, really important role in facilitating partnership working with their employer at a local level. Um, and it's things like um, having the ability to raise collective concerns that are coming from the workers and have that listened to by the employer and, and, and acted on. And I think that's really, you know, that's really successful partnership working at a local level. Um, and it's also employers actively seeking out the views of the workforce through those safety representatives when they're bringing in uh, new initiatives or uh, issues around organisational change, new equipment, rebuilds, that sort of, uh, those sort of issues. So if they're talking, employers and staff side safety reps are talking to each other at a local level, it can make the process of implementing um, new initiatives really, um, you know, hopefully really more straightforward and, and, and stop problems at an early stage. Yeah, I, w I would agree with that. I, I think that it's important to recognise that there's nobody more experienced and, and knowledgeable than the individuals who in doing the job themselves, so you've, you've got to engage and, in, and involve those individuals. I think that you know, staff side organisations also have a lot of experience and, and knowledge and resource behind them which they can bring to the table. So again, if, if you work in a partnership way, you can bring different ideas forward and ultimately try and seek solutions. But I think also in terms of partnership working, what we've got to ensure is that we've got discussions taking place at the right level within the organisation, people who can actually lead and deliver and to set a good practice culture. I mean, seeing the chief nurse and the staff side chair walking around and doing safety inspections sends a very positive message to the rest of the organisation and the workforce. How do you see trusts using the guidance that you produced? We pitch our guidance at a range of levels. And I think it really depends, Jen, on the person who's reading it. A non-executive can pick up our partnership working documents and they might be wanting to make sure that their NHS organisations are meeting their requirements around the CQC, HSLA and so on. An executive director might be looking for some of the benefits that they can derive from effective health and safety and wellbeing programmes in their organisation. So we try and aim it towards them. We also make sure that at a practical level, health safety managers, occupational health managers, human resources managers can pick it up and use it to implement best policy and practice. And obviously what we hope is that representatives as well, uh, staff side representatives, can support all of this, can drive all of it forward. So the idea is that it's not aimed at a particular group. It's actually aimed at everybody and can pick it up and read it easily to enable that change to happen. Thank you. James, you've talked about robust disagreements, um, which I love the wording of. Um, how do you think you can promote effective partnership working? So if you do have robust disagreements, how can you take that forward and still establish effective partnership working? 
Well, it's like I said earlier, Jen. I, th I think that the main thing is that there has to be a willingness to find a solution. For me, you might have disagreements which carry on around the table. You might not be able to um, agree a way forward initially, but people have got to see the bigger picture here. And seeing the bigger picture means that ultimately, if we're trying to support staff to remain at work, to be safe and healthy in their organisation, then there will be a willingness to move forward. So having that respect, that mutuality, means that people are committed to moving forward. I think as James said, we're not going to agree on everything, but I think we do have that joint objective about we want quality patient care, we want our patients treated the best way they can, but in order to do that you've got to treat staff well, to look after their health and safety and well-being, and sometimes we may have different ideas about how that can be achieved, uh, but it's having that shared objective. Um, and, and you know, some, I think sometimes the frustration is that certainly from a national level some of our work can take a while to come out, to be produced, to be agreed. Um, hopefully we've been through quite a lot to actually get there and get a, a good product that we can all agree on um, and that um, suits everybody's uh, agenda um, with that common objective. I think in terms of the, the partnership group, we, we recognise that not only is there an, a moral obligation on organisations to support employees as, as effectively as it can, no organisation wants to create an environment which makes people unwell. They want people to deliver the best health care that they can. Ultimately, that's what we're all here for. We're striving for better patient care, better outcomes, and healthier, happier staff will deliver that. And ultimately, in terms of the partnership group, that's the thing that we keep in mind all the time. It doesn't matter whether you're management, it doesn't matter whether you're staff side, it doesn't matter whether you're health and safety. Ultimately, that's the goal that we're trying to deliver all the time. So Kim, you've developed some guidance on the importance of partnership working. Why did you do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons really. Um, we know from uh, the evidence produced uh, from Health and Safety Executive and from various research that working in partnership uh, around the health, safety and wellbeing agenda can reduce uh, injuries and ill health and in some cases up to 50%. Um, so really what we wanted to do is develop uh, a guide which talks about um, how you can work in partnership around health and safety, reinforces some of the rights that safety reps have had enshrined in law for now nearly 30 years because I think there sometimes is a, a slight lack of understanding around what safety reps can do, what their role is and you know that they, they should have time to promote um, and to carry out this role and again back to the objective of safer workplace, safer staff safer, healthier patients. So I think it was to pick up on some of those issues. Um, but we also um, also wanted to pick up as well on some of the commentary that was coming out of uh, Sir Rob Francis's report and you know how he highlighted that disengaged staff uh, can uh, lead to a spiral of poor care really. So we see safety reps as being a key part in supporting that engagement agenda uh, at, a, at a local level. And again, um, uh, Berwick report said that um, you know, uh, good leadership was needed around health and safety. And again, we see good leadership around health and safety as being good partnership working as, as an element of, of good leadership around health and safety so that we can all uh, promote that positive safety culture. Yeah, I would say that I don't think that health and safety or risk has fallen off the agenda in NHS organisations. I think what has tended to lapse more is the health and safety committees 
where you would obviously get the safety representatives attending. There's an awful lot of risk and assurance committees which take place at a very high level within NHS organisations. They have the involvement of non-executive directors who have a key role in seeking assurance to ensure that the trust is delivering on what it's supposed to be doing around risk and safety. But it's only the very mature organisations that actually also have safety representatives involved in those meetings. Predominantly they're quite management-led. So by re-emphasising what role the safety partnerships and representatives can have within an organisation, it's not saying that we have to throw or change what we're doing, it's actually just greater involvement and partnership working at local levels. I'm aware from being a member of the partnership group that there are a number of areas that you're working on. Can you tell us a bit more detail about the areas and what you're doing? Um, thanks, Jen. Yes, we've um, we've been quite active over the years. Uh, we have um, we have had some workshops um, and um, some seminars around particular issues, and we tended to focus on um, musculoskeletal disorders and uh, work-related stress, which we know are the two main causes of absence in the health sector. Um, and we've recently just revised something called the Backpack, which is a suite of resources. Uh, around uh, prevention of back injuries and supporting staff with back injuries and outlines the legal requirements but also again there's a little section in there around partnership working and also about support for staff with back injuries so and that's one of the resources we've had in place for a number of years um, we are currently working uh, on revising a resource around um, sharps injuries um, to support organisations with the uh, implementation of the uh, Sharps Injuries Regulations, which uh, have been in place now for, for about a year. Um, and what we're doing is gathering some case studies to support um, organisations, work, again, working in partnership around this agenda. Because um, as James said, there is a wealth of information around things like Sharps Injuries and what you need to do, but we bring in that unique um, unique selling point of how you work in partnership around this agenda. And of course our other key document is our health safety and well-being standards uh, which we developed in partnership with the health and safety executive which are a set of standards to help organisations comply with the key uh, requirements of health and safety legislation um, and gives them an idea of what, what sort of initiatives they ha need to have in place to support the implementation of the standards. And we're very pleased now that these are on the health and safety executives' health and social care homepages and they've been endorsed them. Um, we've also uh, developed guidelines on um, the management of sickness absence, um, which uh, have been now been referenced in the staff council uh, uh, section on, um, on sickness absence in the in agenda for change. Um, and that again, some broad partnership principles around uh, managing and preventing um, sickness absence in the workforce. I don't know if you want to say a bit more about those, James, because you, you worked very closely with my colleague in those. Yeah, I, again, the intention around that document was to look at best practice and to look at some real-life examples about how organisations have been effectively managing uh, sickness absence. I think that the key aspect for me in that is not to have a mechanistic approach to the management of sickness absence but to see it as a holistic part of the well-being program and how we can support employees to come to work on a more regular basis so we looked at what policies were around we looked at best practice within organizations we put that together in one document 
and hopefully that supports organisations in terms of developing their policies and their practices. Another piece of work that's in train at the moment is some work that we're doing around the management of stress at work. Very similar document in the sense that it looks at best practice, it looks at policy development, it focuses on a piece of research that was done by Zeal Solutions for us around what it is that creates stress within the working environment and how managers can effectively deal with that. And that is a very effective tool, I believe, because a manager can pick up that document, can read the examples of what actually creates stress within an organisation, and then how it can effectively deal with that, what language and techniques and tools an individual can use to tackle that. The other things that we've been doing is we've been working in partnership with other subgroups of the NHS Staff Council. Kim and I have both been involved in the Working Longer Review Group, and in fact it was a time out that we had uh, a session in, in Birmingham in March 2011 about the effects that working longer had on the health and well-being of individuals kind of like led to being involved in some of that work because obviously working longer is something that we have to think about in terms of health and well-being and we also linked with the equality and diversity group which is another part of the staff council again any guidance that we deliver we have to ensure meets equality requirements and guidelines and so we develop those close working relationships to ensure it does that. What are the key messages you would want our listeners to take away about health, safety and well-being and partnership working? I think, I think I'd like to call on employers to recognise the important role that safety reps can play uh, in improving uh, health and safety culture in their workplace and supporting the health and well-being of staff and really to say find out, recognise who they are, work closely with them, um, allow them the time to carry out their role, um, again because that is a legal requirement, um, but you know we want to be able to work in partnership with you around this whole agenda as we do nationally. I think it's very simple, working in partnership delivers change, it delivers effective change, it delivers timely change and I think that you can utilise the resource and the experience of working in partnership in order to deliver the health, safety and well-being of staff within the organisation. That ensures better patient outcomes and that ensures that everybody benefits in the end. Thanks very much for talking to us today about partnership working and how organisations can do this effectively. For more information on the work of the partnership group, please visit www.nhsemployers.org forward slash HSWPG. Thank you.